Welcome to the Perfectly Integrated Podcast, hosted by Matt Ackerman, where we show the power of teamwork in wealth management. Now, on to the show. Growth. This is a scary four-letter word for most advisory firms, even if it is a five-letter word. Growth is an aspiration. Growth is a hope. But few have a real strategy on how, where, and most importantly, why they want to grow. Well, today I'm excited to be joined by two industry icons, Angie Herbers of Herbers and & Company and Paul Sagany of Integrated Partners to talk about growth and more importantly, to discuss creating a strategy for growth. Angie, Paul, welcome. So Paul, why is growth such a scary proposition for most advisors? Well, you know, Matt, uh, first, thanks for doing this podcast. I, I love this topic. And, you know, for me and my experience, there are really two types of advisors. And so I think you've got advisors that, you know, say have no plan or maybe have an incomplete vision for where they want to go. And then you've got advisors who really have a well thought out plan and they know, you know, what direction they're going in and in their vision, you know, gives them the strength and confidence that they need. So, you know, in terms of being scary, I think that all advisors have high expectations, don't they, for their business model and for their clients. But I think without, with a lack of direction, actually, I think it, it can be scary because you tend to follow those shiny new objects that are out there and that'll tend to get you off track. So, you know, that can be frustrating and that frustration can lead to a sense of being scared, especially during challenging times. So I think it goes back to having that vision and having that plan and making sure that it's really a solid vision for the future. And then you can avoid those scary times, in my opinion. Having a vision or lacking a vision is one thing. And but you said those shiny objects are so distracting to some advisors, it's distracting to all of us sometimes. Angie, what, what is that? What's the biggest mistake advisors make from your perspective when it comes to growth? Well, first off, Matt, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, growth is complex. It's a complex um, set of building blocks and one thing builds on another. And so when we look at growth, whether you have a vision or don't have a vision, there's a lot of complexities to it. There's so many different areas of growing a business. You have leadership, you have client service, you have operations, you have human capital, you have sales, you have marketing. And I think the biggest mistake that advisors make is they get overwhelmed by the complexity of it and they just don't get started. When Herbers and Company is working with clients, many times the client will want just a detailed growth strategy and plan. And that's great if you have a great vision, but sometimes it's just a matter of picking one place and taking a step and building some confidence off of that. And then picking another place and taking a step and building confidence off of that. And, And when you do that, it doesn't feel so complex anymore. Absolutely. So Paul, it gets complex when you're building a business. You've been building one for some time now. What do you think? What was an early mistake maybe you learned from as you look to grow and expand integrated partners? Um, I think in terms of an early mistake, you know, um, for me, it was certainly maybe not trusting the warning signs and, you know, maybe aligning with relationships that were not mutually beneficial. And so, you know, when you get down to it, this is a people business. We're all interacting with people all the time, be it our clients or our advisors or, you know, people that we tend to work with in the industry. And so, 
you know, for me, I've just learned over the years to just be careful about one, how fast we're growing, and then to be careful about who we choose to, to grow with. And so to Angie's point, having that vision, having that confidence, once you've got those together, it's, it's then about having the proper capabilities surrounding you. And so I think, you know, looking for people who share the vision, people that we can trust and, you know, people you want to spend time with. I think that's the key to the whole um, story here. But, um, but mistakes, certainly we all make them. I think that's part of life, isn't it? It's part of how we learn. And so, you know, don't be afraid of mistakes. But I think, you know, for me, mistakes are usually around um, decisions around the people I choose to be with, not so much maybe the vision as to where we want to go. I want to add something to that. Paul's exactly right. I mean, if you ask anybody who's been truly successful in business or even truly successful in building wealth, most of the time they will say it's who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. And who you surround yourself with is also complex. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I want you to think about growth as a plant. And I know that's an overused analogy, but you plant a seed, that seed doesn't grow on its own. You have to walk out and you have to water that plant every single day. And if you get surrounded by people who aren't willing to water that plant or are you know, in it for themselves, as opposed to the collective power of the team, and it becomes very hard to, to grow because you are the one who has to do everything. You have to water that plant every day. So when we're looking at the core of growth, the core of growth is what is the environment you're putting yourself in? And the best environments are, are good people. Mm. Angie, I'm gonna take your analogy one step further. It's, it's it, the hardest thing for a lot of advisors is what got them to the spot they're at is not gonna get them to the next spot. You know, they, they were used to in everything, the person who mowed the lawn, the person who watered the lawn, the person, you know, they took care of all the plants and now letting go of that's hard. You know, what, what's some of the advice you give to that advisor that's struggling because they're like, I'm not growing when really they've, they've grown up in this micromanagement mindset. And how do you pull them out of that? Well, how you pull them out of it is easy, but it, it's not an action that any any consultant can take or any person who's working with you can take. It's only an action that you can take. I mean, I like this lawn analogy because let's just say that you're used to mowing the lawn, planting the plants, watering all the plants. That's how you got your business started. But now you've got more land and you can't take care of that land by yourself. The problem is, is you get as you start to build a business and, you know, I love Paul to jump in on this because we've both built businesses, but as you get larger, there's a certain degree of satisfaction you get around doing it all. I mean, you feel good that you can mow the lawn yourself. You feel good uh, seeing those accomplishments and you know that they come directly from you. So when you let go of whatever it is in the business, whether it's managing the people, managing the client relationships, managing the operations, doing the sales and the marketing. When you let go of that, it doesn't feel like you're impacting um, the business like you once did. It's a different feeling of accomplishment and it's hard to, to overcome those behaviors. So when we're working with advisors, well, 
we do direct consulting for the business, the behavior change is is always there. And the easiest way to get um, firm owners to change their behavior is to just to acknowledge and somewhat memorialize the success of them being able to do it all and just letting them know that there's a different feeling or a different sense of growth and accomplishment you can gain by doing it differently and thinking about it differently. You know, Angie, I love that analogy. I think back to my earlier days and when my hours per day went from eight to 10 to 12. And then, you know, before you know it with a young family, it's Saturdays are creeping in. And then my goodness, half of a Sunday would creep in. And, and, and you know, if left unchecked, it just, it just becomes part of who you are. You don't even notice it until someone says, wait a minute, you know, what are you doing here? This isn't the way to, to grow a business. So I love your lawn analogy because certainly at one time, I was mowing, I was planting, I was watering, and I was doing everything for that lawn. And so, so I think, but that's the power of learning from others. I think that we're in a, an amazing business of sharing. Think about how many industries where you can pretty much call anybody. There's probably anyone in our industry you can call and say, hey, help me with this or that. And someone would certainly step up to support you. And so I think for me, learning from others, having some great coaches, people like Angie and other mentors in my life who just said, take a deep breath here and get back to focusing what you're uniquely either good at doing or what you love to do. And I think that, you know, when I started focusing on only those things and, and getting other people around me who quite honestly were far better than me at doing things like mowing and watering than I could ever be. So once that, that reality came true to me and I learned that as an entrepreneur, you know, I can't do it all, no matter if I think I'm the best or not, if I try to do it all, I'm going to be hurting my business. But once that, that kind of sank in, then things really started to take off for us. And so it's that, it's that Dan Sullivan book, the power of who, not how, and having the right who's around us is really what's certainly most important. I mean, adding on to that, I love that you shared your story of the early days. I, I was so blessed to be mentored by my grandfather, who is a longtime entrepreneur, and he mentored me starting very young. And the very one of the very first things he ever said to me was, you are not your business. Mm -hmm. And I think that 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 is an important thing I have as I've grown our consulting firm and helped other firms grow. I think that that's important for you to remember if if we get wrapped up in the business being part of our worth as humans, um, we, we hold our growth back and, and we don't let go. And so I think it's important first at the core of growth is, is knowing that you aren't your business and that you've gotten it here and now you need more people to help you, how, however that is structured. And it's a great feeling to have a lot of people surrounding you, however you decide to do that. And the only way to do that is to make sure that you don't become your business and you're able to, to let go of things and not attach your worth to them. So true. You are not your business. I love that. Everyone should underline that as they're listening to this now. Keep that in mind. I love that notion. And Paul, you spoke, you started the conversation by talking about that vision, having a vision for your business but you work with a lot of our advisors on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And sometimes finding that vision and setting your goals is hard. So how can advisors get started? How can they, you know, they've reached a certain tipping point, you know, they've decided their business needs growth. They've decided they want to keep going upward. 
how can they get started in determining what they want to become? How, what, what's kind of a good first step in, in setting that vision and, and building out those goals? Yeah, great question. I think for me, I live my life on three words. It's vision, capabilities, and reach, or vision, capabilities, and execution. And so, you know, every time that um, I, I dream of an idea or we look to grow as an organization, or if I sit down with an advisor and, and I'm trying to help that advisor maybe put their growth plan together, you know, the key thing about those three words that was every time it starts with that word vision. And so for me, when I finally got my vision together, for lack of a better term, when I finally really got a vision that I could get my hands around, um, the kind of a vision where, like Mike Tyson says, when I would get punched in the face, the vision was strong enough to get me through those difficult times. And so, you know, I had that plan in, in place. And so, you know, I think, as I mentioned earlier, I think that we are in an industry that thrives on sharing. It's a unique in that respect that, once again, I anyone can call anybody and they'd probably give you the time of day. And, and certainly in my case, reaching out to some amazing people is what helped me put our vision together. But I think having experts like Angie, having her on this call is amazing. And so what she has done for so many of us is really amazing as well. But, you know, for me, Matt, having people like Angie, uh, study groups, um, talking to other entrepreneurs. And I always tell advisors that, you know, we are at our very hearts entrepreneurs. And so step outside of our industry. In other words, don't just keep only learning from people in our industry. That's not healthy. So, so some of my most successful or, or, or really study groups where I take the most are people that I'm learning from that are outside the financial services industry and to see what they do and how they can just, you know, they have unlimited thinking, I think. You know, sometimes we've got some limited thinking in our industry, like, oh, you can't do that or you can't do this. But when you go outside the industry, my goodness, there's no boundaries whatsoever. So, but I think to answer your question, I think building that vision is so key. But to do that, you've got to be curious, you know, of what others are doing. You've got to be open. Okay. So sometimes our egos get in the way and they don't allow us to really take in information. And so, so I think be curious, be open, and then you know, as I tell every advisor, your vision is out there. Um, you know, you can't maybe get it solved in one hour or one day, but with the help of other experts, you can go find that. And, and, but part of finding it is getting out there, talking to people, listening, and, and, and once again, just be willing to, to understand what's best for your, your personal practice and for where you want to go as a person over the next years ahead. Andy, Angie, what, what do you think? How do you get advisors rolling on the right path? Well, vision is certainly the starting point. Vision, in my opinion, is always the starting point. The hard thing is, is that I think people view vision as this is, you know, a fork that we're going to put in the ground and it's never going to change and evolve. And if your vision doesn't change, and evolve and build on itself, it's not growing either. So uh, what we tell a lot of advisors is let's just start with what you have in your mind. It may not be perfect from a vision strategy standpoint, but it is a step forward. And then we can go back and we can review that vision and it can grow and it can de develop and it can expand. One of the problems that I see in vision is a lot of firms actually have really big visions. Um, they, they have big ideas and big desires to help people. And where their vision stops or where their growth stops is 
they don't ask for help. I mean, at the core of human science, at the core of any growth process, you have to have help. You, you can't do it alone. We don't live in an anti-dependent world. We look, live in an independent world, an interdependent world. We depend on people and other things to help us. So the best advice I can give is, you know, when you're developing your vision and if you can't find it, or if you're struggling with growth based on that vision, then ask for help. And that help doesn't have to cost money. You can ask for help from um, other people in the industry who are very willing to share. You can ask for help uh, for from the custodians and the study groups. You can ask for help from coaches and consultants. There's so much help out there. You just have to be willing, curious, and open enough to ask and seek it. Willing, curious, and open. And, and, and you're offering some of that help now to help advisors accelerate growth. I know you recently launched a new academy app to help advisors. Tell us a little about that. Yeah, Herbers and Company Academy started in 2017. It was just an educational platform where we offered education on growth, just experiences that we've seen in advisory firms of all sizes. Um, our new app, which was launched in June, um, is designed to bring a community and the, that growth advice, knowledge, and help to, to others across the world via your phone. So the goal of Herbers and Company Academy is just to expand what is possible with growth by pulling people together. So if you have some troubles asking for help, you can go on Herbers and Company Academy app. You can quietly learn what we know, or there's a whole community of people you can ask and talk to and um, seek the help that you need. All great tools like this. Um are good starting points, I think, for advisors. Do you find advisors are, are, are reticent to kind of raise their hand and ask for help and are more open maybe to, to reading and, and experiencing like something like this? Is this uh, something that, that could be really advantageous for advisors? Yeah, so Herbers and Company Academy, the app has been live for 30 days. On average, we have five new advisory firms entering it every day. And what we've learned is there's all different types of learners. Some people have a propensity to go directly to all the tools and templates that we have. Some people go directly to the videos and watch the videos. Some people go directly to the community and begin to ask questions. So I think the beauty of Herbers and Company Academy is it, it helps everyone however help resonates um, with them. So we're just happy to provide the knowledge to the industry, allow people to see the resources that we have to understand that people are very willing to show up and help each other and build an industry together. And we're just grateful that we're able to provide that um, sort of resource for the industry and for advisors across the world. And you know, Matt, if I could add to that, and Angie, you may not remember this, but years ago, I read an article that Angie wrote because she writes some amazing articles in so many different places. And so I actually called you out of the blue and, and this is many years ago and you may remember the conversation, but, you know, just, I think about, you wrote a great article about mentorships and how to build mentorship programs. And so I just, I found your number, reached out to you and you were kind enough to get back to me. And so we spent some time on the phone and that's just a great example of sharing, isn't it? So, you know, I read something you wrote, you're certainly an expert at so many different topics and I was able to reach out, speak with you and then get some great advice back. And so, 
that's just an example of you, Angie, and how you're willing to help all of us out. But I think it, it goes once again, Matt, to the industry, isn't it? Where, you know, if you just raise your hand and say, hey, I need help here. Um, you know, there's nothing more, my mother taught me this, there's nothing more powerful in the English language than saying, I need help. Because we want to help people, don't we? And so therefore, by raising your hand for help, and the great example of me reaching out to Angie for some mentorship questions that I had, and this is years and years ago, you know, it helped put us on a course of direction, which really has impacted our mentorship work today. And so um, I just thought I'd mention that, Angie, as an example of you always being so kind to help any of us out. Well, thank you for saying that. I have to be very honest. I do remember that conversation. I was actually quite intimidated that you were calling me. I'm like, why does he need to call me? Um, You've built such a great organization. There's so many advisors that speak so highly of what you guys are doing. And um, I was just glad to help. But in truth, I was on the other end of the line, like, why is he calling me? But I'm so glad that you, um, you are giving an example of what a giving industry this is and um, how people really do want to help. And it doesn't necessarily always mean that you have to pay for the help. I think that there's a lot of people out there who will help when you ask um, just because humans like to help humans. That's true. And that's so kind of you to say that, but I think it just goes to show Matt that once again, and Angie said as well, if you're curious and you're, you're open, read. The, oh my goodness, there's so much stuff to read. It's probably too much stuff to read to tell you the truth. But if you, if you, if you don't feel the pressure to build a vision, but you honestly make it a journey. In other words, you don't have to get a vision done in two days. You know, for us, I've got a 25-year vision. And so in it, to Angie's point earlier, it does change. It does morph. And so under a 25-year vision, I break it down to three years, one year, and then 90 days. But but, you know, that, that ability to, to be somewhat flexible, but, but, you know, reading what's out there and reaching out, I mean, that's the powerful part is once again, anyone you reach out to and say, can you help me? It's, it's staggering how many people will step up, provide support at the time you need it and, and help you get on your way. And so um, I love the fact that our industry is not a zero sum game. It's all about raising everybody's boats here. And I love that part of what we do. Yes, I, I love that too. I mean, we've seen that over the last 20 years, this is my 20th year in the industry and without a doubt, all boats rise together. It doesn't matter if you're a large, you know, multi, multi-billion dollar firm. It doesn't matter if you're a small firm, we are all growing together. And I think that the important thing and the wonderful thing about this industry is that um, we're all lifting each other up. And if we all can continue to remember that then we will continue to be able to serve more um, consumers who desire independent financial advice. One thing that advisors have been raising their hand a lot around me asking for help with is the, the fee model and ultimately, you know, how they should charge for what they do. It's, it's, it's hard. It's a hard conversation. It's hard to figure out for some of them. Paul, talk to me a little bit about that art of charging a fee for your service. And how you discuss that even with your with your clients? I think well, certainly one of the core competencies you have to have. So I think that the um, you know if you if you aren't a competent fee based advisor or if you don't have the confidence in that what you do for your clients is worthy of a fee, then you have to stop right away and fix that. So that's part of your vision that has to be fixed right away. But but you know, advisors that I that I work with matter that tend to join our organization, they're they're looking to grow their practice. So let's say they want to double their assets or or double their revenue, but 
But one of the magic uh, visions that we have is that we are helping advisors grow their practice by working with clients, say, that are 10, 15, 20 times larger than the typical client they work with today. And so advisors who join us, they don't need our help and support on how to handle a million dollar IRA or, or something like that, but get up to 10, 15, $20 million of either liquid net worth or investable assets. And certainly they're, they're reaching out for help on that. So, you know, one of the visions I put in place is what I call six times three plus one. So it's the, it's, it's helping an advisor define their vision and then build their capabilities around trying to find six more clients that are once again, 10 times larger than the average client they work with today. And so, so for me, Matt, once again, the advisors I work with, they want to grow, um, but they don't want to double their practice with the exact way that they built the first part of their practice. So they want to grow it a little bit more efficiently working with wealthier people. And that's where fee-based planning comes in, because when you do work with wealthier people, um, they want to pay for advice. It's not that you're, you're doing something that's out of the norm for them. They want to pay for advice. And as a matter of fact, I think they feel more comfortable knowing they're paying for the services that we provide. So... So part of that fee-based planning uh, that you, you mentioned there, Matt, is if you want to work with wealthier clients, one of the core competencies you have to know is what motivates a person of wealth to want to pay a fee for services. Do you have the capabilities surrounding you such that when you charge these fees, you can deliver on the promise that you make? And so, you know, I could talk for hours and hours about fee-based planning, but but for me, it's not about maybe doing planning for our typical client every single day, but it's really focusing on those wealthier clients. And that's my background, once again, is doing fee-based planning for people that have more complex financial lives. Angie, I know you recently spoke in an RA Intel article about the fee model. How do you think this is going to play out? Well, I believe that the flat fee service model is here to stay and rising in importance and value. Hmm. I mean, what we know is, is that people are now valuing independent financial advice. And it's not just happening to our industry. It's happening to the medical industry through concierge medical services. It's happening deeper into uh, the, the um, accounting industry. It's happening deeper into strategy, tax strategies. Um, sometimes we don't just hire accountants to do our tax returns anymore. We're paying them a fee for helping us with complex tax strategies. So it's, it's, it, you know, it's not a surprise that it's hitting financial advice and growing quite rapidly. And it's not a surprise that the retention of those clients is as high now as the AUM models and, um, and I think slightly um, beating the AUM models. Does that mean that everyone needs to go out there and start a flat fee model? No, it goes all the way back to your vision and what your vision is uh, for your firm. Uh, but it is, it's here to stay. I think it, for those of us who've grown up in the industry, such as myself and graduated from a CFP registered program where advice was truly valued in our education it's exciting to watch um, advice having a, a higher value than it did uh, 20 years ago. It used to just be all about investment management and now people are paying for it. But I will say this, Paul's exactly right. If you don't have the capabilities to give great advice, then 
you're going to hurt your, your business more than help it. So there is a important component uh, to giving advice. I think the CFP board has recognized that by adding some psychology of financial planning to the CFP exam, which I believe was done this year. There is, there is a psychology behind giving advice. There is knowledge that needs to be had and there's education um, that needs to be had. So the important thing is not beginning with how you charge, but rather beginning with what are we capable of and how can we deliver it um, in the best way to the client um, and stand behind that advice. You know, Angie, to that point, I, I think of an advisor conversation I had not too long ago and the advisor looked at me and said, you know, I realized about 10 minutes into the meeting that I could really have a big impact on this client's life. And I remember that this advisor was just so confident. So like, wow, you know, when I got in there and started asking some really impactful questions, you know, it really started to give the advisor the confidence to say, you know something, I can fix this and I can make an impact in their lives and I will get paid to do that. And so I think it goes back, Matt, inside of your question there, it's that not only the capabilities, which Angie talked about, but, but just that advisor's confidence that they can make a difference. I think where fee-based planning sometimes goes awry is when in the back of the advisor's mind, they're saying, I don't know if what I, I'm going to charge here, if I can actually validate that fee, especially over a long period of time. And so that's why I think, you know, um, increasing capabilities, having talent around you, I mean, we're being handed a a bit of a gift, aren't we? This new tax code could be one of the largest attacks on wealth we're ever going to see. And so, you know, partnering with CPAs, with accountants or with attorneys who work with, with once again, people with complex financial lives, um, but then being confident in your ability to sit across from somebody, understand their situation by asking really great questions and then saying, hey, I can fix this and, and having ultra, I call it ultra transparency, but full transparency on how we do get paid. And, and to your point, Angie, I think that advisors who kind of tie up their financial planning activities and their asset-based fee, you know, during, during difficult times in the market, the client can segment that. All they say is I'm paying you X to manage my money. And they, you know, when, when I find myself having to remind a client, well, wait a minute, part of my fee is me being your planner, then, then you're just battling upstream at that point. And so, you know, we refer to it as client engagement. So if I meet a client and I understand how much work has to be done here, what percent is financial planning work? And then what percent is just managing their money? And then under this hyper-transparency model, just talking to the client saying, these are my fees and this is what you're going to be getting for that. And so, but I think the confidence in charging a fee as I, I talk and teach about this, it, the confidence really comes from me sitting there saying, whoa, I really can have an impact here. I know I can, you know, when I finish this meeting and I finish this engagement over the next couple of years, this firm is going to be in an infinitely better position tomorrow than they were today. And that's really powerful. This has been just a, a really great conversation. And I, I always like to kind of end by looking forward here a little bit. Um, Paul, what do you think are some of the big trends we should expect for advisors and this industry as growth continues? Uh, the big trends. Um, I think just the constant change, you know, uh, different advisors, maybe who, who may lose a client due to fee compression or maybe hit a challenging point. You know, I always tell advisors, you know, this is an amazing industry. And until I walk in to see a client, there's nothing I can do to fix their situation. Until that day happens, I know that industry has such a wide berth of success for everybody. And so clients need help, don't they? And, and I think that with changing tax codes and with 
you know, stock and bond markets that are kind of, you know, hitting these new heights every seemingly every single day, people need to be, they need their hands held, Matt. And I think that they, you know, they need advice and counsel. And so I think my advice for advisors is, is just build the capabilities around you so that you can have the maximum impact on the client you're sitting across from. So when you match up your vision with your capabilities and then that execution piece, when you can execute on the promise, boy, that's, you put those three words together and the future is going to be so exciting for, for so many people. Angie, you tweeted in January about some trends. You saw microtech investing, breakaway advisors, serving the mass affluent. With everything we've gone through in the past 18 months with this pandemic, with you know all of us kind of trapped to really think about that vision a little more, what's your expectation for this industry as we look ahead? Well, for right now, I could wrap all the trends in, into one core trend, and that is finally financial advice has moved from a sales-oriented culture to a service-oriented culture. We see that with the micro trends that are happening in advice-driven tech. We are seeing that um, in uh, individual advisors leaving organizations, breaking away from organizations that have sales cultures, whether or not that is more um, in the broker world or in, in the independent advisory world. And we're, we're seeing the flat fee model rise to the top. So. I think for all of us who truly love and serve the independent advisory industry, we are finally seeing sales, um, sales driven cultures disappear and service driven cultures um, rise to the leadership position. So going forward, I expect that trend to just exponentially um, move the industry. Absolutely. Well, we end all of our conversations on Perfectly Integrated the same way. And that's with a question from my nine-year-old son, CJ. I showed him the new app you launched and he himself is an innovator. Uh, he launched a YouTube channel this summer where he, him and I are having conversations about sandwiches. Um, and he saved his money doing chores this summer and bought himself one of those drawing tablets. So yeah, he, his question is, what kind of app, and Angel, I'll let you go first. What kind of app do you think is going to change the world? in the next decade. You know, there's so many different things that he's seen and experiencing with us for the first time, whether it's payments apps and, you know, but what he was asking about, what kind of app should he be ready? What's gonna change the world in the next decade? Maybe he should jump in on. There are 89 million people in the US that are either on food stamps in the SNAP program and or in poverty. If anyone can create an app to get them out, it'll change the world. Mm -hmm. Paul, what do you think? Uh, is there any app that you've got your eye on or anything that you think might change the world in the next decade? To change the world. I think Angie's right. I think certainly poverty, um, hunger. And, you know, you can't not look outside the window and see that climate change is, is going to be a problem going forward. So, but I guess, you know, tying together your love of, of your personal loves with whatever app you're going to build is probably the best way to do it. But I think that, you know, certainly the world's got a lot of problems, don't we? And I think to change the world, you know, there's a lot of places you could look to do that, but, um, but wish them all the best. Okay. And uh, I will, I think poverty, food, uh, climate change, um, all those things are certainly going to be topical going forward. Definitely. And if you can align your passion with your vision, 
great things happen. This has been an amazing conversation. I've got a notebook full of notes here. And, and, you know, two things, you know, that really stood out to me today was that whole thought about vision being a journey. And really at the end of the day, just get started, you know, be open, be curious, be reading, be listening, be asking questions. If you start from there, growth will take care of itself. And remember that advice from Angie's grandfather, her mentor, you are not your business. So don't take it personal and just, you know, proceed and, and trust the people around you. This has been a great conversation. Paul, Angie, thank you both so much for your time today. This has been great. Thank you. Thanks for Thanks, having Matt. me. Thanks, Angie, very much. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, guys. Content in this material is for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Integrated Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. Angie Herbers, Managing Partner at Herbers & Company and Integrated Partners are separate entities and not affiliated with LPL Financial.